These people, they've been answering the question, would you rather save yourself or be saved by God? You see, as we pick up in, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, everything's about to change for Israel. Okay, for the last 40 years, life has been very, very, very simple. Okay, they've been journeying through the wilderness. Uh, their great and powerful God, he's been right at the center of them as a nation. He's guided for and he's cared for them. He's been with them day and night. But everything is about to change as they go into this promised land. Okay, they're standing on the borders of this land that God has said, I will give to you. And there are all sorts of challenges. In this land, other gods are being worshipped. Other practices and cultures and values are everywhere. God's people will be pulled away from him like they've never experienced. And so Moses, his life is about to end. He's 120 years old. He's been told by God, you will not go into this land. And so he gathers Israel one last time. And he preaches with everything he has to them because he wants to prepare them for this life in the land that they're going into. And he wants them to see, above anything else, he wants them to see how spectacular God's rescue is. And he wants them to enjoy God's blessings. And all these years later, we get to follow along as well. As we get invited to enjoy God's blessings as well. Now, we're going to explore these in four, across four points, and you'll find them in your handout. Um, so if you've got a pen, uh, you should have had a pen on your chair, actually. So do grab that and follow along, make notes, take any questions down for, for us to look at later. Because Moses wants Israel and us to recall the need to listen to God and live. He wants us to receive the instruction of God and to enjoy the good life. He wants us to remember that our God has already drawn near. And he wants us to rest and revel in the God that has rescued us. Now, all these points, they come together to paint a vivid and beautiful image of how spectacular God's rescue is and how generous his blessings are. And as Moses begins to address God's people, he starts at the beginning. He recalls for Israel, he recalls for God's people the need to listen to their God. And to be honest, it's pretty sobering. It's sobering because Israel's past, God's people's journey, it's been derailed. It's been derailed by their failure to listen and their disobedience. Flick back over a couple of pages. And have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 2. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by the Mount Seir Road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. Did you catch that? It's an 11 day journey. But it took 40 years. Uh, but this isn't like kind of when we as a family, uh, we've got four kids. And so going anywhere, um, you know, someone can't find their shoes. 
Uh, someone's got distracted, they're playing with Lego. Instead of getting ready, uh, someone's hungry. Then there's the kids. Uh, and, and, you know, we get on the road and you're kind of 10 minutes down the road. I need to go toilet. But the problem here for Israel, it's not faffing or toilet breaks. Israel has taken 40 years because of their disobedience. They've been put in a 40-year timeout in the naughty corner because they wouldn't listen to their God. And so Moses, he picks the scab off these painful memories across these first three chapters of Deuteronomy. You wouldn't listen to Yahweh your God, he says. You wouldn't go and take possession of the land. And so your God was angry with you. You missed out on his blessings. You couldn't enter the land. So for 40 years, we wandered in the wilderness. For 40 years, instead of resting in the generous provision of our God. And while we wandered, Moses says, Yahweh your God demonstrated his goodness and his faithfulness. Our great God showed us why listening to him is best. Because his rescue is spectacular. And because listening to him is the way to blessings. And so, as you go into the land, Moses says to Israel, will you listen to him? Now, there's a point here where you might be going, so what? It's a long time ago. But as we've worked through the series in Hebrews that we've just finished, we've been told that there's all of these shadows and copies in the Old Testament, and there's something better for us who believe in Jesus. And, and what we see is that this land is a shadow. It's a shadow of a place living in God's presence, enjoying his blessings. And for anyone who believes in Jesus, we stand on the edge of a land too. We stand on the edge of a place where we will enjoy God's presence and his blessings. If only we will listen to him. So let's stay tuned and see what Moses says next. Okay, because as we move back to chapter 4, come with me. Uh, Moses, he changes gears. He stops looking back to the past. And he looks into the future. And he says, let me tell you how to live the good life. He says, well, Moses, he urges them. He says, listen and look. Listen and look so that you receive the instruction of God because it's the way to enjoy the good life in the land. Have a look at uh, chapter 4, verse 1 with me. Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws that I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. You see, if Israel will just receive the instruction of their God, the reward is huge, okay? Because listening to God, it's where life is found. It's, where, uh, it's, where, it's how God blesses his people. Because what God has to say, it's good news. It's a message of spectacular rescue, you may not have noticed that as we went through this reading, reading through Deuteronomy 4, but 
Let me show you what I mean. Okay, through the whole of Deuteronomy, Moses, he keeps referring to all the different words pointing to the same thing, and they all sound dreadfully boring. Did you pick it up? Rules. Statutes. Which is code word for rules. Uh, decrees, which means rules. Commandments, more rules, but maybe more strongly asserted. Uh, the whole law, the Torah, you know, this is just lots of rules, all packaged together in one place so you can find them easily. But is that what Moses is saying? Is he saying, yeah, your problem is, Israel, your problem is you've just never had enough rules. If you've got enough rules, that's the answer to your problem. Well, no. Because what Moses is talking about here, at its heart, it isn't so much a list of rules that goes on forever. It isn't a boring bunch of burdensome restrictions. It's more than that. It's an expansive view of what it means to live in relationship with God. And it touches all of life. It's kind of what you'd expect. But you see, this expansive view is something that God has been laying out and and revealing throughout all of Israel's history. I've got a slide here. It's a diagram that I stole from a lecturer of mine. Okay, the Ten Commandments, the laws in Exodus, in Leviticus, in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy, they're all building this expansive picture of what it means to live and live under and know God, to live in relationship with God. But what we often try to do, and here's another slide for this, that we actually try to narrow it down, don't we? We don't want an expansive picture. We want to know what to do right now in this situation. And so we look for the rule. We look for the boundary. But Moses wants us to catch this expansive view, an expansive view of living the good life. And for God's people, as they stand on the edge of the land, Receiving God's instruction on what this life looks like is key. Seeing this, the whole expansive view. And as they head into the unknown, into this land that God is giving them, this expansive view, it's the key to the good life, the key to receiving God's blessings. But it isn't just the key for Israel, is it? It's also the key for us as we live today in Aotearoa. You see, and God has further expanded our view. There's another slide for this. Because Jesus, he steps up and he further expands the view. He gives us more to go on, a greater view of the glorious life. As he says, you have heard it said. You've heard it said, but I say to you, And he further expands the view. Now I wonder, I wonder how my approach to reading the Bible would change if I could catch a glimpse of that view, if I could let it shift my mindset as I come to reading God's word. And as we keep listening to Moses, he wants us to catch an even bigger view Okay, a view of God drawing near. Because as Moses continues, he urges Israel 
He urges them to remember that Yahweh, their God, has already drawn near to them. He's drawn near to them as he spoke to them from the fire at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, same, same diff. So come with me down to verse 10. This is Moses still speaking to Israel. He says, Remember the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when he said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you. You see, Moses points them back again, and he's, he points back to when God has brought his people out of slavery in, in Egypt, and he gathers them on Mount Horeb, and he speaks with them, and he draws near to them by speaking. You see, we know how this works, right? When I finish a phone call, I hang up, and my wife says, oh, who is that? Now, I don't say, oh, it was this weird electronic voice. I say, it was dad, because dad came close to me in that conversation, even though he's at the opposite end of the, of the, the island. So by speaking to Israel, God draws near to them. Now, the, the small hitch here is the people listening, the people standing here listening to Israel, they're going, has the old man finally lost it? Because as Moses is speaking, as he's saying, remember Yahweh, he spoke to you. They're thinking, mate, we weren't even there. The people who were there on Mount Horeb, they died in the wilderness. But Moses won't budge. Come with me down to verse 13. As he continues, he says, He declared, that is, God declared to you his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to follow, and then wrote them on two stone tablets. You see, Moses is adamant. Your God has spoken to you. He's drawn near to you. He's made his covenant with you, that he would be your God and you would be his people. Even though you weren't physically standing on the mountain, because his word remains. And this word, this covenant, it means he hasn't just drawn near to Israel. He's rescued them spectacularly and he's brought them into relationship with himself and he's blessed them. Did you notice verse 20? But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? This is God's blessing. As God draws near to his people, as he draws near, he saved them spectacularly, but he's also made them into his own special inheritance, his own special people. And he goes on to say, I will never abandon or forsake you, not even when you stop listening. You see, because Israel do. And God punishes them, he scatters them. But even then, he will not leave them or forsake them. Come down to verse 26. 
Moses continues, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you this day that you will quickly perish from the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. You will not live there long, but will certainly be destroyed. The Lord will scatter you among the peoples. Skip down to verse 31. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. God will never abandon his people. But the question's raised, isn't it? How much more? How much more has he drawn near to us in the Lord Jesus? He's drawn near to anyone who believes in him. How? Well, by dwelling inside of us, by his spirit, by the same powerful spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, dwelling in us, dwelling in anyone who will believe in him. That's how near he's drawn to us. And he's rescued us, not from slavery in Egypt, but from sin. These are the blessings that God has for us. The Apostle Paul says it this way in his letter to the Colossians. Colossians 1 verse 13, he says, For he has rescued us, that is God, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Because remember, the land that Israel entered, it was just a shadow. It was a shadow of heaven. It's a shadow of Jesus' kingdom. It's a shadow of a place where we will enjoy God's richest blessings forever. This is God's spectacular rescue. You see, and as Moses lands a sermon, it reaches its climax. You thought this was a high point. It goes even higher. Okay, of resting and reveling in God, in the God who has rescued you. Why? Because nothing, nothing like this has ever happened. Come with me down to verse 32. Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created human beings on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything so great as this ever happened or anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another nation by testings, by signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? Ask yourself this, Moses says. Has this ever happened? Has anyone wonderfully heard their God speak and lived? No. Has any God powerfully rescued him for himself, a nation? No. Have you seen that God, he says? There's no parallel. Has this ever happened before? No. So revel in your God. Revel in your unique history 
in the love that he's shown you. Delight in hearing him speak. Relish your rescue from slavery and the care that he showed you. Adore the access that you have to him. Treasure the discipline that he's given you. Bask in the knowledge that you are his people and that he knows you. And rest. Rest in the security that it is him at work. It is God that powerfully saved you from Egypt. It's God that revealed himself to you. It's God uh, who spoke to you, who has gone before you, who has driven out nations and is, br- is bringing you into the land that is your inheritance. How are Israel to respond to this God as they revel in and rest in him? They are to know him. They are to listen to him. They don't know that Yahweh has no equal. And they don't listen to his instruction. But again, how much more in Jesus? I mean, do you see the size and the scale and the splendor of God's rescue? Ask yourself, across the width and height and length and breadth of time itself, Okay, from the foundations of the earth to the highest heights of heaven to the furthest corners of the universe. Has anything happened like this before? Has any God humbled himself and entered his creation and invited a people to have eternal satisfaction in him? People who hated him and rejected him. And all of this without even the tiniest hint of cost. But there's more. Has any God paid the greatest price, given his own life, and by his death defeated that enemy, sin and its following death? Ours has. Ours has. Why? In order to bless you and in order to give you life. See, can you see what Moses is doing here? Not just for Israel back then, but for us right here today. He's saying, look, can you see how awesome our God is? Can you see how spectacular his rescue is and how great his blessings are? He's saying, please, will you listen to him? Will you receive his instruction? Will you remember that he's drawn near to you? Will you rest and revel in the God that has rescued you? Because remember that land that Israel entered? It's just a shadow. It's a shadow of heaven where we have been invited to share amazing blessings. Blessings so great we cannot even imagine them. And maybe today is the first time you've seen this spectacular rescue in quite this way. Maybe today this is raising questions for you about what it might be to join that eternity, to go into heaven that this land is a shadow of. Please don't leave those questions hanging. Don't leave here kind of wondering. Talk to someone. Come and grab me and we'll chat later. Or talk to someone that brought you. Because Moses, he wants us to be left 
speechless at what God is doing and to know the God that is doing those things. So I want to invite you to join me. Will you join me in listening to God instead of trying to sort my own life out? Will you join me in receiving his instruction? This expansive view of what it looks like to live for and in relationship with God. Will you join me in pressing that into every aspect of my life? Instead of just kind of carving off bits and saying, no, no, not that bit. Will you join me in remembering how God has already drawn near in the Lord Jesus Christ? And will you join me in being brought to wonder at reveling in the the amazing things that God has done and enjoying his blessings? Will you join me? Let's pray together. Father, we need your help. We need your help to listen to you just as Israel needed your help. And yet today you've given us this expansive view of what it means to live with you as our God and to be your people. You've shown us in amazing ways what, uh, how amazing your rescue is and how great your blessings are. Father, would you help us to grapple with just what you are doing, how unlike anything else that has ever happened it is. Would you help us to listen to you? Would you help us to listen so that we can enjoy your blessings? Amen. If I could get the band to come up. Um, We're going to sing a song, and there's a verse in the song that kind of highlights a bit of what we're talking about. It goes like this. Who else could rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God, but not a distant God. A God that is drawn near. Only my holy God. Let's sing together.